Okay, hello, and welcome to the special edition of the Innovation in Education podcast, where we celebrate the winners of the 2023 Hero Awards, which is dedicated to recognizing the country's best examples of K-12 success using innovative education technologies. I'm Kevin Hogan, Content Director for eSchool News, and I'm glad you found us. The winners this year were chosen for their commitment to education despite obstacles, including achievement gaps, teacher burnout, and funding, as well as their creativity and innovation in helping all students continue learning while also feeling safe, empowered, and engaged. Nominations were judged by a panel of education experts, including Laura Asione, eSchool News Editorial Director, and Eileen Bellastock from Bellastock Consulting. In this session, I had the pleasure of speaking with John Arthur. John was the 2021 Utah Teacher of the Year and one of four finalists for the 2021 National Teacher of the Year. Now in his 10th year of teaching, John's students have gained national recognition as champions for children and immigrants like them through music videos and other digital content that they create and share across platforms such as Ninth Evermore, which is on YouTube and Twitter. Moreover, he uses Kwame Alexander Bookfest Book Club from noted author Kwame and Follett, to help his students see themselves in story, build literacy skills, and allow students to share their experiences and emotions through books. Joining us in conversation is Britton Follett, who is the CEO of content at Follett Learning, and they were the ones who nominated John for this award. Have a listen. Okay, John, Britton, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me, and congratulations. Thank you so much. Maybe we can get started off, John. T- tell us a little bit more about your work out there in Utah and you know, what grade levels and what sort of projects uh, that you were involved that had Follett nominate you for this for this award. Yeah. I am but a humble sixth grade school teacher. I teach in an elementary school, so it's it's all subjects with the same group of kids all day. And toward the end of my first year of teaching, I had this moment where I realized I've been doing it all wrong. All year long, I'd had my kids working really hard, getting ready for those end of year tests. And then there was a there was a news story about kids in uh, Korea who had drowned on a ferry boat. And it was a really tragic story. And it was a, a needless tragedy. Those kids should have been able to use their voices and their reasoning skills to get off of that boat like the captain and the crew. But uh, they didn't. They They were told to stay in their cabins. And so they did. And as a first year teacher working with children, for some reason, that one, that story just really just got to me. It, it struck a nerve. And so for the last month or so of school, I decided, you know what, I'm going to make student empowerment the objective of every lesson. I'm going to make this the focus of everything I do with my kids. So I started asking them, what do you guys want to do? huh? And they're like, oh, we want to make a music video. I said, cool. What, what do you want to make a music video about? And they said, story problems. I said, oh my God, you guys are such nerds. All <laughs> right, let's 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 do that. What what song do you want to do? And they, they chose a One Direction song. And in my mind, I said, no. But <laughs> again, this was all about them. And I said, cool, let's do it. And that became the first of what has now been a, a long series of what I like to call digital passion projects. Projects where my kids say, this is what we care about. This is how we want to express it. This is how we want to share information and educate others on this topic. And uh, and my job as their teacher is purely to coach them through the process, to 
facilitate in whatever way they need me to, and then provide a platform at the end for them to share. For that first music video, uh, I, I posted on YouTube. We created a, a class YouTube channel. And since then, my students have created music videos, short films, documentaries, little podcast episodes that they've been able to put out there uh, using our, our class's name, Ninth Evermore, to try to advocate for the, the causes that they care about most and, and be champions for themselves, their families, and their communities. That's great stuff. And Britton, how did you come upon John and John's work to where you felt his followed should be inspired to to nominate this? I mean, what, what makes his kind of work distinctive or worthy of being uh, celebrated? Our paths, I think, initially crossed when we held a customer-facing webinar, and mm -hmm. we had such great response to that webinar, we invited John back to do a Lunch and Learn, which was an internal event. Uh, during the pandemic, I started to do Lunch and Learns to kind of keep the, the team connected, even though many folks were working remotely. Um, just kind of updating the team on what was going on in the organization. And so every now and then we try to have our customers uh, be the center of those lunch and learns so our team can understand what's happening out in the real world in the classrooms. And um, so because John's story was so compelling in that first webinar, we invited him to speak to our team. And I can't tell you the feedback that we got uh, associated with John's story in both of those settings was, you know, people were extremely moved to tears in some cases because he has worked so hard to give students who need a voice a voice. And um, that evolved actually into um, John speaking at our owners, uh, Francisco Partners held a ed tech event. And a number of companies you'd uh, probably recognize, Discovery Education, Renaissance, um, all of them, the leaders from those businesses were at this event. And so we asked John to be the dinner speaker and, again, share his story to um, those organizations. And I think that that's evolved into other work that John has done with um, some of the Francisco Partner portfolio companies. So, you know, I think his story resonates with many different folks, whether, you know, you're serving the education industry, whether you're in the education industry as a fellow educator. You know, me personally, his story is a bit of a passion project because my first act in life, I was a television reporter. And it's extremely important for me to give folks who may not have a voice a voice. And John has taken that to life in a classroom setting. I would have loved to have the opportunity to make and produce videos, you know, at that age. It took me going to college and, uh, you know, making many mistakes on live television <laughs> before conquering it. So um, just really appreciate everything John has done to give students who need a voice a voice. And John, I'll say, I mean, with all the various upheavals over the past two or three years uh, in both society as well as education in terms of uh, students. Sixth graders have been right in the thick of it, right? I mean, so mm -hmm. they were third graders through sixth graders. Right. Um, we always used to talk about digital natives uh, and their use of technology. And you can go from one newspaper headline that says way too much screen time for kids has caused mental health problems. You can talk about platforms that should be restricted for students mm -hmm. in order to their, their communications, uh, which there, I, from my opinion, uh, there are some valid concerns when it, when it comes yeah. to those things. But then on the other hand, the amount of content that has been created and the way that the students are using these platforms 
mm-hmm. or you know, uh, Britain, as you were saying, just light years ahead of what we were doing at their age and the the things that they can do. Talk to us about being in that center point and watching that, and where your point of view comes from on the, you know, uh, taking these platforms and restricting them versus the mm-hmm. encouraging encouragement of their use. Yeah, it's a tricky question. I, you know, since I started teaching, I've I've had this idea that I wanted my students to go from being content consumers to creators, right? I wanted them to go from being kids in the classroom to creators at work, right? And to look at the, our, our classroom as this workshop where they are creating original content that they are then able to put out into the world. But the world is a scary place. And the the access point to the world, to a broader audience, the internet, is is you know sometimes terrifying. And especially right now when things are so politically and socially fraught in our society, it's it's very um it's it would be almost unreasonable not to be worried about either bringing in things from outside or putting student work out there because there's a vulnerability to it. But at the end of the day, this is the work that has to happen. We have to figure out how best to to put our students out there because out there is where the action is. People need to hear from our young people. You know, last year we were watching a news story in my classroom about how this is the most depressed generation in history. And my students were sitting there. We eat breakfast in the classroom because it's a Title I school and we're watching the news and and they just see one piece of evidence put out there after another, after another about how kids are being just warped by social media and, and they're seeing rates of suicidal ideation and self-harm at, at levels that they've never seen before. And when the news story was done, one of my students pointed out, you guys notice how there wasn't a single kid on that story. <laughs> and, and it was true. We went back, we watched, it was all adults sharing their perspective about what was wrong with our kids and my students said, that's messed up. How come no one's asking us what we need in order to be healthier? Why it is that right now, I mean, given the fact that we just survived a pandemic and, and all the other things that are going on, we might be a little sad. And so my students made a music video about it. They, they, they wrote um, answers to questions I would put on the board Things like, what do you want to tell every adult? And what do you want people to know about what you're going through? And what is it that you need? And then they they put it together in this product that they were able to put out there. And I had folks, including like the first lady of Utah, Abby Cox and others coming and saying, this is exactly what we need to hear. And they're right. It's necessary. We have to hear from our kids. So we as adults have to figure out how to make their access points to broader audiences like the internet, whether it's podcasts or online video sharing platforms, whatever, we have to figure out ways to help them enter those spaces safely. Because if all we do is shelter them from it and they never build the skill set and the knowledge of how to do this kind of work safely and responsibly, then they become adults who just rampage into the, into the online digital landscape without the 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 benefits of having an adult guide them into that space and show them how they can be both productive and safe. There are too many people 
out there operating online who didn't have the benefit of learning how to do it right in school. And so now we have to recognize that that has been a failing of our systems and, and do better by our children. Britton, let me ask you um, a question of scaling. I mean, the inspired words of John and, and the work that he's doing, um, how do we clone him? I mean, how, how do we get this inspiration out there at a district-wide level or even at a national level? I mean, it, um, you know, beyond just what we're doing right now, which is sharing his stories, but uh, in the work that you do, I mean, is, is I'm assuming that that's a, a certainly an effort that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime we stumble upon a John in the industry, we try to tell the story over and over. Um, you know, we're we're blessed to have customers in nearly every school in the country. And so if we can share John's story and share why it's scalable, John uses a lot of tools that are readily available, uh, in some cases free, in other cases low cost. It's just taking the tools that are out there and applying them to what students need in this environment. And so what I think is special about John's um, success is that he took things that any of us could could and do use on a daily basis and applied it to give the students an important voice. And, you know, I think it just kind of takes thinking about your curriculum a little bit differently um, and being willing to let students make mistakes as well. Um, I remember, I, I think early on, I asked John, okay, what, what, what editing software are you using? What production, you know, what kind of camera are you using? And I mean, it, it's basic, <laughs> yep. you know, it's an iPhone and some garage band and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. again, uh, all the things that all of us carry in our pockets, um, he's, you know, making memories for these students and giving them a voice. And John, I mean, along those lines, what are the recommendations you have for our listeners and our readers uh, who have been inspired by your work and they, they see your work? And I know when they're reading this online uh, at eSchool, they're going to have um, you know links links to your stuff to see what, what's mm -hmm. happening. What are your recommendations to them for first steps uh, in terms of making that sort of cultural change? to where uh, their students stop being consumers and start being creators? First thing is talk to your administrators and talk to your students' parents, build trust, make sure everything's out there and on the level. Cause, cause nothing is uh, nothing that I do with my students is scary, but it sure can seem scary if all you're doing is imagining what's going on in the classroom. Um, the other thing that I would say is just recognize that all of the tools, just like Britton said, that we use in my classroom are the things that people are walking around with every day. Um, there's free online software that, that allows you to create any of the projects that my students do. And frankly, all we're doing is what people do on Instagram every single day, YouTube, TikTok. My kids are now coming into class with a, a background knowledge on using this technology that... 10 years ago, my kids had no idea about. And in five years, I imagine my kids are going to be coming in teaching me how to use everything and catching me up on, on this, this technology that's just ramping at such a high rate. The other thing that I would mention is, you know, I love being on here with Britain because like she said, we we were brought together as as professionals, as as teacher and and um CEO and a very like professional way, but we're all just humans. We're all just people. And we're all people who've survived a really hard 
time. The pandemic, people like to think it was so long ago, but it was just the other day. And and throughout it, it really humanized all of us. And so for anybody who's listening, who's the leader of an ed tech company or, or who participates in that space, and those of you listening who are who are school teachers like me, recognize that there are people out there who want to help you. You know, I've had a a really blessed experience with Fallout because my students, I really wanted to implement book clubs in my classroom. And I had no idea how to do it. And I, I was able to speak with friends at Fallout and they were able to support my students by helping us get books and and also providing my students the opportunity to work as content creators and in creating these videos that that were promoting books that they'd read uh, during our book clubs last year and putting it out there in the world, not just that they care about social causes and and championing their communities, but they love books and they they got to make videos about why they love particular books and why you should love their book over everybody else's book. And, and they, my students this year in my class have been watching that kind of content that my kids created last year and they've been asking, oh my gosh, one, can I read that book? Two, when do we get to do things like that? And every kid out there in school is asking that question. When do we get to do things like that? Anytime I talk to teachers or show the things that my students are doing, they, they tell me that their kids are yearning for experiences and opportunities like that. And our kids are already content creators. It's just that the content they create is not what they want to be creating. They don't want to be creating five paragraph essays or you know short responses to this prompt. They want to be creating things that they would create on their own time outside of school. And once we we bring opportunities into our classrooms for them to get excited and create the things that they want to create around the content that we need them to learn as, as sixth grade students in my case, then you're, you're marrying two worlds that are just meant to be together. We are, we are, our, our world is too small now to have the classroom isolated from real life. It's time for kids to learn in school the things that will make them successful outside of school. That's always been the stated goal, but now we have to appreciate that our, our kids are coming to school wanting to be influencers, YouTubers, and uh, content creators, and the best place for them to learn how to do that is in the classroom. Well, now we have ChatGPT to take care of the five paragraph essays, right? They don't have to worry oh about those. Oh my goodness, right? <laughs> yeah. So that leaves them open to some mm-hmm. of these more creative pursuits. That's a whole Seriously. other conversation that yeah. we can have at another time. But let me finish <laughs> up by uh, asking you, what what are the things when you look out over the next three to five years that you're most excited about, either in technologies or the way you see your students' uh, behavior thriving? I mean, what, what are the things that have you the most jazzed going forward when you look at the next school year and the next few school years out on the horizon? That's such a tough question because I think after our experiences the last several years, only, only a, a fool would make predictions about anything. I, 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 I think that what I'm most exci- we'll, we'll say hopes. <laughs> yeah. Hopes. I get hope most from the fact that I've watched adults and young people uh, demonstrate incredible flexibility and malleability. And so whatever is on the horizon, I know that we can handle it. And as far as where this work is going, I I hope and I I honestly predict that more people as as the push towards 
you know, things like personalized competency-based learning and all these other buzzwords that you hear in education, there's really a focus on, on awakening children to the brilliance that's inside of them and helping them meet individual goals around individual plans and, and really letting what it is that drives them drive their education. And so as technology comes in and as, as tools become more readily available, even more than they are right now, I think that the focus is going to be on helping kids continue to tailor their own educations and take greater ownership over their learning and their work products in school. And as teachers, uh, there's this idea, you brought up chat GPT, that at some point we're going to be replaced by AI and uh, uh, kids are just going to learn on computer screens all day long. And I think anyone who says that has somehow forgotten how lonely it felt during the pandemic to be sitting on a computer screen all day long, trying to your best to learn in, in a totally virtual and digital environment. The, the best parts about school are the, the human parts and the connections that you make. And there's, there's nothing uh, deeply connective about artificiality. And, and I'm, I'm predicting that as technology advances, um, somehow, so too will our humanity. And we will uh, continue to seek out vigorously opportunities to connect with each other and, and hopefully heal a lot of the divisions and the tension that we're feeling in our society. I think people are getting sick of it and we're ready for something more positive and productive and, and overall better. And I know our kids um, are, are ready to, to lead us towards a better future in that way. Well, John, once again, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your insights and your stories. Um, I know, you know, for our listeners, this is the, type of stuff that really helps inspire them to do their work and to, and to spread that sort of idea. And Britton, congratulations as well for, for recognizing John and being able to help put him out there uh, so others can hear and read about the work he's doing. And I hope to continue to follow both of you and your continued success going forward. Thank you, Kevin. And congratulations, John. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much. Be sure to listen to the conversations with all of this year's Hero Award winners on the Innovation and Education channel, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for clicking through.